Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with the Gary and Shannon Show. A reminder, we want you to make sure that you look at the iHeart app and hit the follow button on the Gary and Shannon Show podcast so that you can get updates on what's going on with our podcast. Don't forget to share it as well. Get it? It's adventure music. Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to the Gary and Shannon Show. And welcome back. Uh, can I use your mic? DJ, hit me! This is the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Gary Hoffman. The problem, sir, is that our hero is not, uh, he's not a handsome man. Shannon Farron. The whole crowd banged together and started chanting. Gary and Shannon. That's how the show started. So Okay, the subject line says bloody couch. And then I wrote, hi, Kevin. Any chance you could remove the couch in our office? It is weathered, to say the least. And this morning we had a coworker bleed all over it. Thanks, Shannon. Does that sound okay or too much? Um, I don't know if it would rise to the level of him um, actually making it a priority. I think if you told him about some of the other gender fluid that is... I'm not going to get into that. He does not need to know about that. I think that this morning's blood is enough to get the biohazard out of our office. I'm hitting send. Okay. Send. Oh, we'll have to see how it goes. Did we rubbish through it and make sure there's no, like, loose change in there or anything? I'm not touching we get rid of that it? anymore. You're going to go... You're going to get into that couch over loose change? There's gloves in the in the first aid kits. We do. We did find those biohazard bags yesterday. I can just go put it by the freight elevator. That's where they put all the big trash. In. The Blake, couch? I would really You're appreciate that. You're not going to put a couch that. by that. Why not? I think someone's going to go. Hey, isn't that the couch from Gary and Shannon's office? And then they'll drag it back. And well, go, I can put a. Hey, it must be put missing. A paper on it. This is trash. You know what? I'll just wait to see what the building guy Kevin has to say about that. And I wonder if, since you said there is blood on it, that there this becomes an issue. Oh, bo- like they've like got to bring someone issue. in? Yeah. Shoot. Hazmat. <laughs> oh, Blake, sidelight. A little bit later, we're going to get into Terror in the Skies. There's a yep. there's about a minute-long piece of sound in there um, that needs to be bleeped. Get on it. I know, and I should have said something earlier because this is going to take a while. Yep. I'll be doing that for the next 41 minutes. All right, I won't, I won't talk to you anymore. Um, okay, so there's a bunch going on today. We'll get into the whole story about the Supreme Court upholding the travel ban. We'll talk about the Supreme Court and the new rules for pregnancy centers, specifically in California, but it's going to apply everywhere. We have a bunch to get to when it comes to the Harley-Davidson thing. Tasty Tuesday in the 1 o'clock hour with Neil Saavedra. But I want to start with what's going on downtown right now. Two dozen clergy members are about to be arrested on Spring Street between Temple and Aliso, downtown L.A. They were given a five-minute warning to disperse or be cited by LAPD officers. They are sitting in the street to protest the Trump administration's border policies outside the federal courthouse building. This is where Attorney General Jeff Sessions is scheduled uh, to speak at about 1240 this afternoon. Yeah, the... They've already, like you said, declared that unlawful assembly. They gave people time. And then just very matter of fact and sort of slowly and methodically, they just 
grabbed people up off the street and arrested them one by one. Uh, there was, it looked like a deputy chief that walked down along this, uh, this line of protesters that had seated itself, sat themselves in a line across the street, and he went through and he shook everybody's hand. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you. Hi, I'm Bob, uh, LAPD, and the next thing you're going to do is be booked. There is quite the spectrum of clergy these days, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, is it as easy as declaring <laughs> yourself a member of clergy? Yes, Okay. it is. But I think that these, I mean, I think most of the people that we saw were associated with some um, congregation. But it is not our parents' Catholic church clergy anymore. No. There are, which, I mean, and it's just to say that it wasn't a 90-year-old white guy in long, flowing, expensive robes out there. There were the many street. robes, but there were robes of many colors. There was uh, there was one woman who had her head shaved, but was wearing it looked like a pretty good makeup and uh, a kit. priest collar and a, yeah, the the black short sleeve uh, shirt with the white collar and uh, fake eyelashes. Right. I have spectrum. many questions. I have many questions for her. Well, and. I feel like the fake eyelashes are not keeping in the spirit of the cloth. I don't know. Because they seem excessive. I don't know what's, uh, I don't know what's that. That's I'm, like, that's... I'm pretty sure that the people of the cloth are living a very uh, modest lifestyle when it comes to extras. Yeah, so not a would... lot of extras. Not a lot of butter on that bread. It would be a lot. Of, that would be like my fourth question. Certainly no Is, jam. Those eyelashes? Really? Uh, anyway, so that's going on right now outside the federal building, the Royball Federal Building. Uh, along Temple Street, and the attorney general is expected to do this criminal justice luncheon at the Millennium Biltmore, although he was expected to start his day at the federal courthouse. We're not sure what the plan is, uh, if the Department of Justice has changed its schedule for the day as a result of these protests. But we'll keep an eye on this. It doesn't appear like anything's going to get out of hand. It doesn't appear that anyone's you know, doing anything outside of just sitting in the street. It's really a not a big protest, guys. The only reason we're even talking about it and the, the other media uh, is talking about it is because it makes for good pictures. And uh, there's about 12 people out there. You know, and, and just because cameras show up don't doesn't mean that it's a legitimate protest. It's not a good. There are twelve people out there, and in robes yeah. and eyelashes. What they don't do is they don't show you a wide shot, right? Because uh, it's more media than it is protesting. Yeah. Um, I should get to the end of the blood story, though, right? We didn't really wrap it up with a nice little bow about what had happened because okay. we did figure out what had happened. What happened? Well, we figured out that Rich Murata had a little cut on his arm, and what? it. That it bled, it bled pretty good from that from that cut. Yeah, it's a small cut, but the blood was a flowing. But he's fine. We got, we got a bandaid on it. Everything. Ble- the bleeding has stopped. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's see if that guy's gotten back to us. It was like a not yet a mystery wrapped in a. I'm sorry, I screwed up the line. Can I take two? Mm-hmm. It's like a mystery couched in a riddle. at CSI because I had to I had to get the paper on the blood to see if in fact it was blood and not like motor oil. Right, and it was. It was fresh blood. Sorry. When we come back, speaking of CSI, there are a few cold cases that have been solved in the last couple of days because of DNA. If you've killed someone uh, and you got away with it, the DNA technology has caught up to, well, 
a lot of guys, a lot of people. I would be very nervous about it. The Golden State Killer was just the beginning. Gary and Shannon will continue. KFI AM 640, it's Tuesday, which means it's Tasty Tuesday. Neil Savater joins us coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. Big news this morning, of course, the Supreme Court upholding President Trump's travel ban, the ban involving travel and immigration by people from eight countries, including six Muslim-majority nations. Uh, policy was challenged by several states. It looks like the, vo- the, the, the court was split five to four in the ruling. What? Split down party lines? What? DNA is really having a bit of a, a renaissance thanks to these Ancestry DNA 23andMe sites because cops are giving cold cases new life. Police have used DNA information from a close relative now to identify the suspect in the rape and murder, the strangulation murder of an elementary school teacher in 1992. This was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And the guy that they got for it had been living as a successful and popular DJ. Raymond Rowe is 49 years old now. This is a terrifying story because this is a 25-year-old teacher, Christy Mirak. She... When she was growing up, she would play school with her brother and sister as a kid. She always wanted to be a teacher. She uh, has a class of sixth graders, and the night before she goes to the night before she was killed, uh, she stayed up wrapping a children's book for each pupil. Every copy has the same handwritten message, wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a great 1993. Love, Miss Mirak. Her roommate was already at work that morning before class. And she was at home. She's described as bubbly, enthusiastic, blonde woman. And she's preparing to leave for school. Roarstown Elementary School in Lancaster. Before she steps out, it's a cold morning. Amish country. She puts on her jacket. She puts on her gloves. But by the time the bell sounds on that December 21st, she's not in her classroom. The uh, principal tried to call her. And the phone just rang. So he drives to her townhouse. Front door's cracked open. He pushes in and he finds her body. All of these gifts, these books that the that the teacher had wrapped, just scattered around the room. Her pants have ripped away. The dead body still wearing the jacket and gloves. She was beaten, strangled, sexually assaulted by somebody, probably killed with a wooden cutting board that was nearby. This is rural Pennsylvania. This kind of stuff doesn't happen there. It hit the community hard. And what was even more difficult or made it more difficult was the fact that an arrest didn't come. They couldn't find who did this. Uh, They went through all of her background, uh, you know, like they do. Who would have had a reason to kill her? Was there a boyfriend? Was 
Was there somebody, is there an outsider? What, who, who was this? And they, they circulated a vague description of the perpetrator. The, the family offered a $10,000 reward. A description of a car is released. They put out a profile of the killer, a, a loner, someone who doesn't stand out in the crowd. They went through forensic testing. They did uh, 1,500 interviews. But the case just grew cold. After 15 years, her brother put up a billboard asking for tips. Uh, he started a Facebook page on the case. And remember, this happened in 1992. So they were still at it when Facebook came around because who killed this woman? Genetic genealogy, once again, comes to the rescue. And at a, a news conference yesterday, the, the DA in Lancaster explained that it was this science, this genetic genealogy, as well as a, a piece of chewing gum and a water bottle that were collected at an undercover operation while this guy was DJing a party in an elementary school, is what broke this case open. And it's been a bun- it's been central to a bunch of cold cases. The Golden State Killer is probably the highest profile because it made national news and was involved with more murders than any of these others. These are mostly onesies and twosies, unfortunately. Uh, it still doesn't ruin or doesn't lessen the impact of the crime, but it's there are still people who have problems with the privacy issues here. But according to the uh, according to the CEO of GED Match, an open source database where, where you can upload your genealogical information to connect with relatives. This is the same one, I believe, that was used in the uh, Golden State Killer case. And they used the DNA that was found at the crime scene back in 1992 on the carpet, under the victim's body, on the body. And the sample was originally run through the uh, CODIS system, FBI's combined DNA index system. No matches came out. So they used the material to create a genotype that was then uploaded to GED Match. And what they did was they were a label they were it's, they were out making inferences is probably the best way to put it. They're finding distant cousins to this unknown person to try to build sort of reverse engineer a family tree to get to whoever's DNA this was. It led to the arrest of Raymond Rowe. Raymond Rowe is 49. He's a popular wedding and event DJ in central Pennsylvania in the same area. Goes by DJ Freeze. He was taken into custody without incident yesterday. Um, he, he started as a break dancer in the early 80s, uh, then started DJing shortly after, soon became a popular house party DJ in, in the, the mid-80s. He is the one recognized leader in the central Pennsylvania area among local DJs. Now, his name had not come up in this case. It wasn't somebody that they looked at and then ditched. But they but, did say there was one specific part of it that he was close. He, he lived, was, yeah, four miles from her at the time of the crime. So it's likely that they could have met at some point before that, and she never said anything, and he never revealed the relationship either. In terms of numbers, by the way, According to the DNA that they found at the crime scene in 1992 and the DNA that they got off of this guy's chewing gum and water bottle, there is a 1 in 200 octillion chance that the match belongs to someone other than this guy. 
It's not every day we say the word octillion on this show. I don't think we've ever said it. That was our just, first octillion. We just said it twice in 12 seconds. Three times. Another case, not from 1992. This one goes farther back to 1986. The rape and murder of a 12-year-old girl in Tacoma has been solved. We'll talk about that when we come back. Oh, and a, a terror in the skies that you won't believe. And you keep looking at me with, like, kind eyes whenever we talk about this story, this terror in the skies. I think we've both been there on different ends of that story. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon, it is Tuesday, June 26th. Yeoman's job, by the way, Blake. Yeoman's job on the leaping out of... The uh, Spirit Airlines passenger we'll get to in a few minutes. Thank you. We've been talking about these uh, genetic genealogists who are now cracking cold cases left and right. And just fascinating in terms of the ability to do this with technology that didn't exist even 10, 15 years ago. Cases that people that still live in these communities or even people who have moved away remember. These These are stories that have haunted Hundreds, if not thousands of people. This next one is uh, the death of a 12-year-old girl from Tacoma back in 1986. In fact, the rape and murder of Michelle Welch back in 1986. Yesterday, a guy was arraigned. He was arrested just last week on charges of first-degree murder and first-degree rape for the 1986 case. Of Michelle Welch. It was March 26th, 1986, when Michelle was, uh, she was a sixth grader at the time. And she and her two young sisters went to Puget Park in Tacoma. And about 11 a.m., she goes home to get lunch for her and her sisters. By the way, time out. Different world. Different world. Right? I mean, the fact that these three girls went to the park themselves... And the oldest left to go home to get lunch for the two two younger ones. Different world, man. About 1230, her sisters leave the park to use a restroom at a nearby business. And then they go back to the park about one o'clock and they continue to play. But Michelle never returns with the lunch, never returns at all. But at 2 p.m., the sisters notice her bike and lunch at the park. So... Maybe she did come back, but they never saw her. Yeah, they said that the bag was ripped open and it was bizarre. So they start looking for their older sister. Uh, I guess there's at one point a babysitter who comes along and is able to help them look. By the time the police are involved, they end up finding her body about 11 o'clock that night. By the way, the police chief who's giving this news conference yesterday was a rookie police officer in Tacoma Back in 1986. So he remembers this case very, very well. And they recovered um, some DNA. And a number of men were investigated based on witness statements. But none of them were, none of them turned out to be suspects here. Uh, In 2006, they went back, reopened this case, developed a profile from the original crime scene, but no match in the databases at that time. Now, 12 years later, Tacoma police detectives worked with genetic genealogists who use DNA technology to track the unknown suspect's family members, just like they did 
with the case out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, of the teacher who was strangled, just like they did with the Golden State Killer. So all they need to do is try to get some sort of, even a partial branch of a family tree, throw that up on public websites where people crowdsource information about themselves or make information about themselves available to others and reverse engineer this family tree to try to get down to a specific person, or in this case, actually, brothers who lived in Tacoma back in 1986. And they started monitoring a guy named Gary Hartman back at the beginning of this month. June 5th, Gary Hartman goes to his job at Western State Hospital, then to a nearby restaurant for breakfast with a co-worker. A detective was able to take a discarded napkin that Gary Hartman had used at the restaurant from an employee he submitted it to the state crime lab for testing and the lab found a match between the DNA on the napkin and the DNA from 1986 by the way western state hospital where this guy was working is the state psychiatric hospital for washington state gary hartman is now 66 years old he was not one of the men investigated back in 1986 based on witness accounts he was arrested now How many years later? 32 years later at a traffic stop. Michelle's mother, by the way, is ecstatic. She told the detective that the news sent chills down her spine. Uh, Michelle had a younger sister, Nicole, who was nine at the time of her sister's death. Described her sister like a second mom to me. I don't know where they were from, but the family moved out of Tacoma after that. Yeah. Which totally understandable. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine living, staying in a place like that if something tragic like that happens to your family. But her family came in so they could be in court to see the man the police say killed her, killed killed Michelle. And the sister, Nicole, said it's. she thought it would never happen. The 66-year-old guy already pleaded not guilty to murder and rape charges being held in lieu of $5 million bail. It is bizarre to me that he was working at the state psychiatric hospital as well at uh, Western State is well known for for housing some of those people in Washington that would be um, not guilty by reason of insanity, for example. Those are some of the people who end up at Western State. Well, who the hell do you think wants to work there? (laughs) I don't know. You know, Uh, back in the day, but this used to be called an asylum. I don't think anybody uses that term anymore, but it, no. it was originally called Fort Stellicum Asylum. Well, all the state hospitals used to be called asylums, right? Why don't we just why don't we use that term anymore? Because it's not nice. It it means that there's crazy people inside, and people cannot uh, be called crazy anymore. <laughs> See, that was such a such a term of uh, hmm, what's the word concern? Because there's crazy people inside. Um, Speaking of, I'm being facetious when we come back uh, another terror in the skies. But this one, I think, hits a little closer to home than anyone expected. And we'll explain why. Oh, by the way, the plane was on the ground. So technically it's terror on the ground, even though it was on an airplane. It qualifies for terror on the skies. I am going to make a case for this woman. I knew you would. I can understand where she's coming from. You can. This is what she sounds like. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well. Gary and Chiana will continue. <laughs> this must be love. Oh, sound in my heart. The beat goes on and on and on.
Shannon. A bunch of stuff going on today. At 12.30, we'll get into the Supreme Court decisions for today. One of them to uphold President Trump's travel ban. Another one that uh, alters rules for pregnancy centers about whether or not they have to give information about abortion. So we'll get into that. We also have a protest going on downtown. I guess it's still some people there, although they're not quite blocking the street like they used to. They're protesting uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who's got a speech a little bit later at the Millennium Biltmore Hotel. But it, they were protesting outside the uh, Roybal Federal building because he was going to stop by there. I don't know if he has or if he will, if that's still the plan. Coming up after Monica's News at 11 o'clock, we will be talking about the murder of that Long Beach fire captain uh, yesterday. They have not taken an ambush off the table yet. And that's terrifying to think about. Firefighters yesterday, early yesterday morning, responding to an explosion at a senior living facility. Um, they, they they arrive there and uh, they smell gas after putting out what seemed to be a small fire. And they're trying to clear the building. And that's when it looks like shots were fired and Captain David Rosa was shot and killed. They've uh, They've arrested somebody in the case and, again, are trying to figure out motive. It's time for today's installment of Terror in the Skies. Flight 209, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane! It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. I just want to see where you're going to go with this. I feel like there's a lot of both of us in this latest episode of Terror in the Skies. I think that I have had this tirade internally oh, before. Yes. Uh, it usually happens when a plane is on the tarmac waiting. You know, when you're going to and fro and you're in the air? Yes. There's no, I mean, it's fine. But when there are delays, when you've either arrived at a place or you're leaving, and it's like, oh, will That's you do the pilot thing where they say it's going to be another half hour? Because, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Captain Bob from the flight deck. Just to let you know, we are uh, 37th in line for departure, so it's yeah. going to be about uh, six and a half hours before we take off. It drives me insane. And in my head, there, there's been a couple days, you know, depending on mood, where you have a bit of a tirade in your head. And you're it. just so thankful that it doesn't come out your mouth. So thankful. But it's a thin line there. It's a thin line. And uh, you never know when that wall is going to be broken. In this case, a Spirit Airlines flight from Houston to Minneapolis had to land short of Minneapolis. It landed in Rochester, Minnesota because of a guest experience in experiencing a medical emergency at that point we don't know what the medical emergency was that prompted them to land early i'm always going to assume a heart attack that seems to be the most Uh, so well i'll tell you the story about the medical emergency flight i had but uh first let's get to this lady so they land short of their destination they land in rochester instead of minneapolis and they take the medical emergency off the plane But they don't just immediately push back from the gate and get back on the the runway. They're in Rochester now. They have to kind of wait their turn. They don't get priority just because they stopped early. So they're on the tarmac for, or at the gate at least, for an extended period of time 
And this woman wants off the plane. Bad. Get me your off this damn plane. You ought to be bitching at me. You'll see me this. You will. Now have it. We all felt this way. Internally. Now at one point, two guys who are both seated on the aisle about halfway down the plane get up and face her to prevent her from going out the front of the plane. Now, I don't, I'm not sure why they did that because there were the, the pilot, another flight attendant, and some of the ground crew were all standing at the door. She wasn't getting off the plane. No. But I, I guess they were just trying to calm her down a little bit, and all it did was piss her off. I don't care. Put me in a knife vest. So she uh, she goes on and on. She's running up and down the aisle. And then as she runs down the aisle, there's a man who uh, stretches his arms out. Stranger. Stranger. She goes into his arms like a baby. He wraps his arms around her and kind of cradles her. And she's just crying in his arms. And this stranger is holding her. And I saw the video and I thought, that's Gary. <laughs> Gary would totally be that guy who cradles the strange woman. Huh. And I would be the strange woman. <laughs> because, you know, it is a thin line sometimes um, when uh, you have thoughts and there, you're afraid they're going to come out of your uh, your mouth. There was one report that there were at least two other passengers taken off the plane after getting into an argument with airline staff as well. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, those things can snowball. Uh, so this was not, I mean, that's a that's an eventful flight so from Houston to Minneapolis. My eventful flight, we were on our way back from, from Europe, and all of a sudden, uh, we were in the last seats of the plane, uh, right next to the bathroom. Mm. Terrible place to be on a long flight, Gamey. any flight, really. And I see flight attendants sprinting the length of this 737. They're sprinting down towards us, towards the back of the plane. That's one of those things you never want to see. Right. Flight attendants sprinting in flight. That's not a good sign. I immediately reach for the Xanax. They reach over our heads into this compartment trying to get something out, and it's an oxygen apparatus. Okay. And then they sprint back up towards the plane, and then suddenly there's a guy being led by them towards us, and he's got blood all over his face. He looks very pale and very disoriented. They lay him out right be- right behind our seats in the little galley there, mm-hmm. and they start doing some sort of life-saving procedures. Like CPR? Yes. And this guy's, like, dying, right? He's got blood everywhere. I don't know what's happening. And one of the flight attendants gets on the, the phone back there and tells the pilot, we've got to land. And it was the quickest left turn I have ever felt on a plane. It was just, we're making a left right now, and we're descending. And we had to land in rural Canada. You'd look out the window, and it was just snow and ice and nothing. And we, and I, I was freaking out. Where, where are we landing? Are we even landing in an airfield? I don't even see. Earth? Yes. You know, for this guy who's apparently dying. And the, th- the fact of the matter is they take him off the plane in rural Canada. And we, you never find out what happens to that guy. You know, you never know if you lived or died or, or what happened. I feel like there should be some sort of service that the that he the, froze the, like that. That you the airline, yeah, yeah the airline will update. send you an email, you know, in two weeks saying, 
Hey, if you're on that flight that took a left and landed in Saskatchewan. Better move. Uh, <laughs> you just called it a bad word. You, better move is you sign up for American Airlines emergency medical passenger notification system. But you also have to agree to get three emails a week from them about their vacation specials. You know, I do that just to find out if that guy lived or died. <laughs> I'm curious. What was the deal with that guy? Oh, that's great. Anyway, yeah, terrifying. Hmm. All right. And it was an airfield. What do you mean? That we landed on. It wasn't, no, it it wasn't, wasn't just a, a marsh. He didn't just put out the skis below your 757. I remember thinking, who is this guy that we're doing this for? I mean, we're just going to land in a field for, for well, Joe Blow? You did say he was up towards the front of the airplane. That's true. First class. When we come back, we're going to get an update on that Long Beach fire story. The fire captain that was shot and killed very early yesterday morning. What we know today uh, and what's going on with that. Gary and Shannon will continue just after this. This is why, this is why we crank it This is why we're biting the bullet. We know the kids are alive. Reading through this Supreme Court opinion and dissent, this got pretty heated. Uh, the back and forth between the Supreme Court justices on uh, on this travel ban today. Um, of course, a sharply divided Supreme Court upheld President Trump's ban on travel from several mostly Muslim countries, uh, rejecting the challenge that it discriminated, discriminated against Muslims or exceeded his authority. We've uh, been following this uh, right now in L.A. on Twitter. The words Supreme Court, SCOTUS, Mitch McConnell... No ban, no wall, and Muslim are all trending right now on Twitter. Mitch McConnell, because there's now a call to um, to recall Mitch McConnell. Well, Mitch McConnell end his career in the Senate was really the guy who paved the way to put Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court by by uh, getting Merrick Garland, I think was his name. Yes, by delaying that vote while Obama was still president. So anyway, that's why that's we'll get into all of that in the twelve thirty when we get into Swamp Watch. There was a story locally that still just boggles the mind. Uh, the death of a 45-year-old fire captain from Long Beach, David Rosa, from Fire Station 10, husband, father of two sons, age 25 and 16, member of the Long Beach Fire Department for 17 years. He was shot and killed early yesterday morning when he responded to a fire at a Long Beach senior housing facility. This was around 4 a.m. There were reports of an explosion and fire in downtown Long Beach at the 11-story Covenant Manor. Um, they did discover a fire at the facility when they arrived. There were some windows blown out, and the sprinklers had been activated. They also smelled gasoline. So after putting out the fire, the firefighters started searching the building, and that's when the shots were fired. There were a couple of residents who said as they were running out, as they were trying to evacuate the building, they saw the guy with a gun in the stairwell at one point and had to go the other way. Thomas Kim is 77. He has been arrested for this. Uh, he lives on the second floor of the building, and they believe he had something to do with both the explosion and the shootings. He was arrested on suspicion of murder, two counts of attempted murder and arson, $2 million uh, bail has been set in the case. He does have a previous previous arrest four years ago for auto theft. 
but they're trying to figure out a motive for for these attacks. What's a seventy-three-year-old guy doing seventy-seven car. I know, but four oh, years I see. Ago. Yeah, I, this is a this is bizarre. What, what's telling to me is that they booked him on murder, attempted murder, and arson. So they believe that this was an intentional act in some way. And the arson is probably the bigger clue to me than the murder or attempted murder, because uh, because I guess you could you could move that down to second degree and say that he was doing something dangerous and didn't. Necess- but he should have known that it could have killed somebody. In this case, the arson itself is what is the clue to me, because that means that the explosions that were heard, the fire that started appear to be an intentional act. Police recovered the revolver at the scene. Uh, Sheriff's bomb squad examined two devices that were deemed to be suspicious. They were rendered safe and uh, flammable liquids believed to be gasoline were removed from the scene. Um, The investigators say we have a lot of questions about the devices that were found, the suspect's intent. We do not have a full picture of it. But, yeah, this evidence points to an intentional setup. And the chief Long Beach police, uh, I'm sorry, Long Beach fire chief said that while he's heard of firefighters being targeted in other parts of the country, that this is the first time they've experienced anything, anything like this. Last time a Long Beach firefighter was killed in the line of duty was 1974. Wow. Thomas Kim's only major vice is gambling, according to the press telegram, and that cost him his marriage several years ago. Somebody tracked down this guy's brother. George Kim. George Kim says he hasn't spoken to his brother in nearly 30 years, but that his wife left him because he gambled. They have uh, Thomas Kim and his ex-wife, who's a nurse, have one daughter. Anyway. Uh, And even that, that, none of that is a clue as to why he would have done something like this. And, And if he was targeting first responders like that, or if he was just trying to target other people in the building and just happened to, I mean, the firefighters just happened to be there. None of this stuff makes any sense to, no. I mean, to anybody. But, I mean, you mentioned the idea that this is something that firefighters never, I shouldn't say never think about, but at 4 in the morning you're going to a senior care facility. Right. And there's a report of a fire. It's, you know, it's a bit of a someone, false sense of security. Someone <laughs> left a hot plate on right. or, you know, a candle, right. you know, something silly like that. You don't expect to open a door and then have gunshots. It's a reminder. To all first responders, you know, you just never know what's going on. And and although it is a very, it can be a very dangerous job uh, being a firefighter, um, 1974 was the last time Long Beach City firefighter lost in the line of duty. So, you know, you feel, you feel pretty good about that. And then something like this happens. One of the other stories that we've covered in the last couple of days that is just infuriating is the death of 10-year-old Anthony Avalos up in Lancaster. And we're learning a little bit more about what it is that uh, family members said happened in the days just before Anthony died and more about mom's boyfriend. And this is going to blow your mind about what this guy's up to. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon. You know who sucks? You can think of a 
pretty lengthy list of people who suck. Why? Guy by the name of Bobby Cagle, who runs the Department of Children and Family Services here in L.A. County, says it was premature to say if <laughs> Anthony Avalos's case represented a failure of the child welfare system. Wow. Well, he I'll- says it's a very complex question. It's much more than a black and white issue. There are many shades of gray. Hey, FNU, you suck. There were years of complaints called in about Anthony Avalos and his siblings. It's that mentality that is going to see more and more children die under the care of the Department of Children and Family Services. The idea that there is not a black and white issue. Anthony and his six siblings were denied food and water. They were sexually abused. They were beaten and bruised. They were dangled upside down from a staircase. They were forced to crouch for hours. They were locked in small spaces with no access to a bathroom. They were forced to fight one another, and they were forced to eat from the trash. There's no point in any of what I said that is a gray area that allows the county to continue to to let mom and uh, the boyfriend have custody of those children. The aunt in this case, Maria, said she began calling the, the Department of Children and Family Services three years ago. They had three years to save this child and the other children, and they screwed up. Three years, not three weeks, not three days, three years. And now how convenient that the Department of Children and Family Services leaks this report that Anthony had come out as gay in recent weeks. How convenient is that? Because suddenly, guys, maybe the boyfriend or the mom is homophobic and they killed him because of that. And that kind of gets the Department of Children and Family Services to do this a little bit, to wipe their hands clean. Oh, they killed him because he was gay. That must be it. Screw you. You you had three years to save this kid. What what are we waiting for as a county? By what are way, we waiting for in the Department of Children and Family Services to remove kids from a home? I'd really like to know what needs to be done. The director of DCFS, Bobby Cagle, sucks. That's an established fact. We know that. The five county supervisors that now have control over the Department of Children and Family Services... They're going to quickly move up that suck list unless they do something. Yeah, I gave them uh, one day off the suck list. But by tomorrow, if there isn't a response from the L.A. County supervisors about cleaning this crap department up, I mean, gutting it and almost starting over because of the failures, then they will be on the suck list. Can I say something as well? Well, and I would want Catherine Barger uh, is the representative for the supervisor for that area for up in Lancaster. And she put out a statement that just says partners in child protection are collaborating with law enforcement, conducting a thorough investigation. Blah, 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 blah. Um, Janice Hahn said, we failed, Anthony. I hope to get answers in the coming days as to blah, 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 blah. uh, By the way, these are just statements that they release. Oh, yeah, they won't do interviews. They won't do interviews. I mean, if if you were a supervisor and you found out this happened, I would be running to the L.A. Times saying, God, I don't don't know what the hell's going on there, but I, you have my word. My life's work now is figuring out how to fix the Department of Children and Family Services. With a red face... With tears streaming down your eyes right. and snot coming out your nose, talking about the death of a ten-year-old and you know at what? the hands of animals, you would you would be irate and you would show it. And you know what? I bet it's a legal a thing. I bet 
legally they don't want to uh, even put it out there that they are liable at all, that they did anything wrong or that there was negligence on, on, on the behalf of the Board of Supervisors with this Department of Children and Family Services. Again, this is a department that should have been cleaned up after we heard about Gabriel Fernandez. And then Jonathan Aguilar, I believe, was his last name. Mm -hmm. And now Anthony Avalos. Why do we have three dead boys who who were supposed to be under the watchful eye of the county? Can I ask this as well? This is you mentioned the three names there of these three young boys who have died, died as a result of bad government work. Not government didn't kill them, but bad government work didn't save them either we have people sitting in the middle of traffic in downtown los angeles today to protest separation of families at the border how many of those people have died zero does anybody protest dcfs anybody sit in the middle of traffic does anybody block down an intersection downtown around the county administration building when these boys die like this i don't understand why it is you you get so irate about a policy that is inconvenient. Well, and, and, I, I don't think that I think that that's uh, I mean, it's your opinion. But I think that when toddlers are taken from their parents, toddlers who have no say in crossing the border illegally and they are uh, really traumatized from that, it's not just inconvenient for them. And they're alive. That's my point. Yeah, they're no, alive. I, I understand. I mean, that, this is the third instance we've had for DCFS yeah. with their hands all up in these cases. It's not like they open the file and they go, gosh, you know, uh, Anthony's name never appears in any of our records. I or honestly don't understand why there's not more calls. fervor. That's what I'm yeah. saying is why why is it that people will get so upset about a certain thing, a certain issue, whatever that issue happens to be, to the point where they either take off of uh, work or uh, maybe they didn't have work and they get to protest on Tuesdays anyway, but they will not rise to the level of overthrowing, because that's what people are calling for, is overthrowing the government, overthrowing DCFS. You know, we we heard about the Turpin kids ad nauseum uh, on all of the media outlets. Yep. Right. And that yeah. was a family we didn't know anything about. We knew nothing about the Turpin kids, what was going on in that home. L.A. County knew about what was happening to Anthony Avalos. How many people knew about these reports that have been coming in for the past three years? School administrators, a teacher, a counselor, family members and others called DCFS at least 16 times since 2013. And at least 13 of those calls specifically mentioned Anthony as the alleged victim in these cases. You know, we got to get uh, Janice Hahn on this on this program or one of the one of the supervisors to find out what what they're going to do about this. I know they're not doing interviews, but I think that uh I think somebody's got to talk to somebody. They can't just deny interviews. They can put out statements that just say literally blah 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 for for days, I guess. I I think you're right though. I think there may be some sort of a legal County council is telling them, hey, yeah. oh, don't sure. say too much. I'm sure, but it's disgusting. It's disgusting. How can you not? How can you remain silent? If you're, I mean, if you're in charge of the county, if you, the county supervisor, and your county, an agency in your county allows the death of a 10-year-old, that you don't just quit. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> Government work ain't for me because I don't like dead 10-year-olds.
What is this escort story you wanted to talk about? Um, remember, we've done the story about the Google uh, executive and the very, very strange. Uh, the call girl killer? Yeah, that girl. You always want to talk about prostitutes. It's not. I just don't get it. You're the one who says we shouldn't talk about prostitutes. I don't think we should. Okay. Well, we're going to. No, I'm trying to class up this joint. Oh, really? <laughs> Magic Johnson has just held this press conference about free agency in the Lakers uh, on whether or not he feels pressure about making some big signings in free agency. He says, I'm Magic Johnson. I'm not worried about pressure. I'm Magic Johnson. Who gets to say that? Magic Johnson. One guy in the world. Gets I want to you say to that. start saying, I'm Gary Hoffman. But I'm Gary Hoffman. I don't know. Gary and Shannon Show. To, uh, top of the hour, we'll get into what's happening. There is a, a story next hour as well about a guy asking other guys to send pictures of their guy parts for size and self esteem research. No, 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 no. It's not a guy, it's a woman, professor. What? Oh, see, see, you then just, I approve. You just saw a professor. Right. You assumed it was a man. No, no. I just assumed that <laughs> no woman would want to be inundated with pictures of I, guy that's parts. A, that's I hear you. I hear you. But this is the one woman who I guess wants to see pictures. A little kinky, but I like it. What were you going to say? I'm trying. Side note, in all seriousness, I, I wanted to make sure we threw this in there because we didn't get to it. Uh, we were talking about. Uh, the death up in Lancaster, 10-year-old Anthony Avalos. Um, not only does his aunt uh, say that Anthony deserves justice and the rest of her nieces and nephews do not deserve to go back to the to the mom, DCFS documented years ago that Kareem Leva, the boyfriend, mom's boyfriend, was allegedly connected to the MS-13 gang. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that part. Right. Uh, so, but It's at the that least point, horrifying part of the story. At that point, they determined that he was not a threat to Anthony or his seven siblings, um, even though he had also been convicted of domestic abuse several years ago. All of that stuff goes into this. Why? Why? It, I don't know. Forrest Hayes. Remember Forrest Hayes? He was the Google executive that died aboard his yacht, the Escape, in the Santa Cruz Harbor back in 2013. Um, he was a married father of five at the time. He had hired an escort through the website seeking arrangement for a night of drugs and sex. That's how they wrote it up in CBS News. Um, the The reason I remember this story is because I remember the image of the woman walking over the body, finishing a glass of wine before yes. she left. Turning down the shades, all of that stuff before <laughs> she leaves. And doesn't call 911. Um. Uh, Alex Tickleman got the name Call Girl Killer. The, the moniker is the better way to put it. Um, she did plead guilty to involuntary manslaughter and administering the drugs that eventually killed him. And she's been out of jail for about a year now. She went. She was actually deported back to Canada after she served her three years in prison. But she gave an interview to a Bay Area TV station and talked about it. And what she said was that that Hayes called her, Forrest Hayes, had hired her through the website Seeking Arrangement. Never heard. You've never heard of it? 
when I, you've uh, in, in your escort website knowledge, right? In your escort uh, website Rolodex, one of my top ten. Did you hear um, about the FarmersOnly.com murder? No. We should do that sometime, too. Well, it was just a woman. It, there wasn't a lot to it. I just read it this morning. But there, I love those commercials, the FarmersOnly.com commercials, because city folk just don't get it. Right. There was a woman who met a guy on that and then killed him. Because he didn't get it. He must have been city folk. Despite what police had said, Alex says that the two of them never had sex, that he wasn't in, interested in that. That he was more interested in the drugs. She says it was her second time meeting the guy. And she said, I also did not know that hours before I got there, he'd been drinking and taking Valium. Which she says would have changed her calculus for the entire night. She said, if I had those pieces of information, I would have never let him take the drugs. If she knew that he'd been drinking and been uh, taking Valium the whole time. Authority said that uh, she shot him up with that fatal dose of heroin, and then surveillance video captures her leaving the yacht without calling 911. And like you pointed out, she casually steps over his body, finishes a glass of wine, lowers the blinds, and she insists she was in a state of panic. She said, I was drunk. I was on Valium. I had injected myself first. So she's floating on heroin as well. And she said, it looked to me like he was still breathing. and It looked like he had passed out. And I know that in the past I've done drugs and not woken up until 24 hours later. So I figured it was something like that, which was wishful thinking. Uh, Throw this little nugget into the mix as well. A district attorney in Fulton County, Georgia, has asked for her to be extradited from Canada to Georgia for the death of Dean Ryapel, which was her former boyfriend, who also died of a heroin overdose, most interestingly. She Interesting. Has she has a habit doing this sort of thing. It's funny. Well, I think the takeaway is uh, don't go to seeking arrangement if you're going to get an escort. Uh, Maybe you try a different one. She did say that eight months after this, uh, after the death, an undercover Santa Cruz police officer convinced her to drive from her home near Sacramento and meet him in a resort in Aptos by posing as an interested client on seeking arrangement. And she even admitted, I had a bad feeling when I was driving. The officer was not acting like a normal person. He was checking in with me every hour. And when I walked in, he was better looking than I thought he would be. I hugged him and he didn't hug me back. And then I felt his bulletproof vest, and I knew I was going to jail. <laughs> yeah. And she go, she says, I'm glad I got deported. Santa Cruz police hated me so much. Yeah, I, gosh, I don't know why. I mean, that's so weird. She now says she's living clean and sober in Canada, working in the hospitality industry. Isn't that what she was working in before? Got her in trouble? <laughs> it is going to be a brutal fire year for California. We've got some uh, wildfires that are, are burning across Northern California and not great news for Southern California when it comes to all of those, uh, those older firefighters retiring. I mean, it's like an exodus from LA County fire. It's no good. Am I too old to be a firefighter? Well, it's just that uh. it's not about age. It's about all the experience that comes with age. You know, how, how fire behaves, the things that you learn on the job. I don't think that you have, those things 
I mean, I would You're go fit. through the academy. I mean, it's not like yeah. I would just go, hey, guys, you guys need some help today? You're fit. You run. You work out, right? Would you use that? that yes, uh thank you. What, are you thinking noticing. like you want to be a wildland firefighter? I'm just saying, is it too late for me to, to be a firefighter? I think so. Like, don't wave <laughs> me off. I was preemptively waving her off. I oh. think you're good to go. Thank you. You're a strapping young lad, and you would fit in just fine with Monica those men and in their Blake, calendars. You guys just moved up my Christmas list. Thank you very much. Can I have one of the calendars? A calendar? You know firemen oh, do Oh, from that. my fire station. Yeah. Excellent idea. Well, it does say, no, I think you're too old. I'm just looking at the requirements here. <laughs> does it say age? Or are you just saying that I'm too old? Got it. Oh, that section says forehead height. <laughs> it's got to fit the helmet. Well, it just says at least 18 years of age. I rest my case. You're not even triple that yet. You're good to go. Gary and Shannon will continue this moment. Is that a, is that are you a playing recorder? the recorder? <laughs> He's practicing. <laughs> Nick is practicing. He's teaching himself. Okay, wait. One There's thread. a male height weight requirement. All right. How tall are you? 5'11". Okay. Are you 148 pounds to 191 pounds? Yes. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. That's it? Have you completed your EMT certification? No, that's what I'm saying. I have to do all that stuff. Do you have stuff. a valid paramedic saying, license? No, but but I could. Do you have a California Firefighter 1 or Firefighter 2 certificate? I do have a Firefighter 2 certificate. Do you really? No. Oh. Where would I get that? I don't know. Uh, Carrie and Shannon will continue just a moment. have an amazing firefighter story to tell you but first you know what's going on uh, firefighters uh, still well, working a big fire in lake county they said 22 buildings at least 11,500 acres have burned there the pawnee fire they're calling it five percent contained as of this morning uh broke out on saturday night and forced a few thousand people from their homes cal fire warning that the number of fires and acreage burns so far this year is higher than the same six-month period last year far above the five-year average you know we've seen uh, last year we saw plenty of rain and uh, that was actually a problem because of how much grass grew this year a lot of grass remains, but uh, but no rain to keep it moist. So they, they, it's going to be a big problem. They say the uh, the uptick could be the result of a combination of factors. Uh, the first weekend of summer, more people are outside, which always adds to the chances of wildfire starting. Uh, you've got the triple-digit temps and then the winds, the erratic winds. 256 fires in last week alone, 256 that Cal Fire responded to, not the local and that's just the state agency, Cal Fire, 90 of them on Saturday and Sunday, which is pretty amazing. Um, the the uh, Pawnee Fire is the largest one that's that's uh, burning right now, but there are several others farther up into um, Shasta County as well. That There is a few. There's a, a state of emergency that's been declared for a Northern California wildfire. The state of emergency that was issued yesterday allows Lake County to get more state resources to fight the fire, recovery afterward. 
Um, but that's, I mean, in just a few days, 8,000 acres is, is a pretty ridiculous, or sorry, 11,000 acres is a pretty ridiculous number. They talked to a guy by the name of John Matthews. He's 79 years old, lives in Spring Valley. He's lived there for 14 years, and he stayed in his home despite the fire coming within 200 yards of his house. He said, this is my home. It's everything you own right here. At least we can stay and try to protect it. He and his girlfriend stuck it out despite hearing 20 propane tanks exploding in the hillsides oh. as the fire approaches. They even held a barbecue with hamburgers and hot dogs Sunday for other residents who chose to stay. I don't know if I'd want to do a barbecue on a day like that. I'd think more of like a, just a Caesar salad or something Sushi, like that. Sushi, you know? <laughs> something just keep that's cool. anti-fire. What uh, a horse's ass. Uh, I have some bad... Uh, news for you. But is it a firefighter news? Yeah. Okay, give me the bad news and I'll end with the good news. Age requirements, you've got to be under 30 years old for L.A. fire. You sure? L.A. city fire, yeah. Over 18 and, un- and under 30. To you know what? We'll find you a small a town. Hand crew cadet. A small Osby town would, would allow volunteer us. department. And oh, they yeah. would be happy to have you. You could do that. You could do a small town volunteer department. Or maybe you could get a desk job. You could be like a greeter at a firehouse. Be they, because those guys get a lot of work. Like how you're the greeter at the uh, at the Walmart? Yeah. No, I actually got a greeter Walmart. position at a brothel while you were on vacation. I know. That's not good. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I want to introduce you to uh, Joe Zambrano who is on a run right now from the L.A. County Fire Museum to Yarnell, Arizona. Yarnell, Arizona is the Grand and Mountain Hotshot Memorial Hot Shots, State Park. 19 killed. Uh, and that, have you seen that movie, Only the Brave? Have not seen it yet. I mean, we covered the story many times. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie yet, though. I heard it's great. The 19 hotshots who lost their lives five years ago Saturday. So I his, can't believe that was five years ago. It his, feels like not that long ago. The plan is for is for firefighter Zambrano to be out there on Saturday. I'm going to give you a quick update just to give you an idea. By the way, he's running in his full turnout, full stuff, the full big fireproof jacket, the helmet, the boots it looks like. I don't know if he's wearing the boots while he's running because that would be terrifying. But you basically have to run. To get from the L.A. County Fire Museum to Yarnell, Arizona, you basically have to run two marathons a day. Wow. It's, it's about 50 miles a day average. You know where he is right now? 29 Palms. That's hot. You know the temperature is in 29 Palms and he's going to run 50 miles today? It's 105 degrees right now in 29 Palms. He is running to honor Kevin Wojcik, who died in the uh, Yarnell fire, along with the H and other hotshots who lost their lives. And he said he promised Kevin's father and mother, Joe and Anna, that he would carry his son's legacy and his crew. Um, Firefighter Zambrano is carrying 19 American flags to the the Yarnell, Arizona Hotshot Memorial State Park there. And he's got a Facebook page called Running to Remember. Uh, and, again, he's supposed to be out. It looks like he'll make it to um, – he would make it to Yarnell. They are planning on do, having him there by Saturday. Guys. This is the important stuff, right? I mean, this is the guy that gets 
This guy is running literally 50 miles a day in full firefighter gear. You know what? There, the you know, we should uh, tomorrow we should talk about that. What happened and the lessons they learned. And uh, there's a couple. Uh, I was just looking uh, a couple untold stories about those days uh, when 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 19 people lost their life there. Um, it's just it's just good to remember. Why are you on the Be a Firefighter webpage? I'm telling I'm you, you're saying. too old. You can be a greeter. Learn what it takes to become part of the L.A. County Fire it Department. It takes a Free time seminar. machine. Age 17 and up is all it says. That's just for the seminar. And then you walk in and they say, sorry, sir. Are you here with your son? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> your son would make a good firefighter. Do you want to tell him? that? No. I want to tell kids what to do. You're not telling him what to do. You're just saying, hey, I think he's tall. All right. He's tall. Stop filling out that form. I'm not typing in real numbers. Okay. Coming up next, it is noon. So we will talk about everything that's trending, everything everyone's talking about everywhere. Tasty Tuesday. Mm, oh, that means I gotta write an email to Neil. You know what else it is? What? It's Twitter Tuesday. Do you know what that is? No, I. I don't work here. What is that? Twitter Tuesday means you follow us at Gary and Shannon on Twitter. We follow you right back. How we, cool is that? We retweet you throughout the day. Throughout the, just throughout the entire day, like all the way up to midnight. Hey, what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Well, it looks like this Supreme Court decision is really getting most of the headlines today. Sharply divided Supreme Court upheld president's travel ban from several countries, rejecting a challenge that it discriminated against Muslims or might even have exceeded his authority as the president. Uh, Dissenting justice said the outcome was... An historic mistake. Justice Sonia Sotomayor wrote the dissent, and she said history will not look kindly on the court's misguided decision today, nor should it. She says that based on evidence in the case, a reasonable observer would conclude that the proclamation was motivated by anti-Muslim animus. And that this case is much like Korematsu versus United States, the decision that upheld the detention of Japanese Americans during World War II. Uh, Roberts responded to that, saying Korematsu has nothing to do with this case and was gravely wrong the day it was decided. This is going to be one of those things that, uh, you know, I don't know anybody who's just for fun sits around and reads Supreme Court decisions, but this is one that I'm excited to get into. I started reading part of it today, and it, because of this back and forth going, uh, it's not you know, them arguing the minutia of legal details. I mean, it is, but there's also these wild, sweeping, wild is not the right word, large, grand, sweeping stories about 
parts of our history that are that are involved in this decision. And that, I mean, Japanese internment is huge compared to what's going on today, or compared to this decision. So that'll be interesting to get through. We'll talk more about that a little bit as uh, we get into Swamp Watch stuff. Well, sheriff detectives need more information. Uh, we told you this story yesterday. A 35-year-old chemist from Irvine who took his two little girls camping in Malibu was shot and killed. Tristan Baudet is his name. He was shot and killed June 22nd. This is at Malibu Creek State Park. Uh, right there near Las Virgenes Road in Calabasas. He was shot once in the upper chest. Uh, there is no arrest, no motive. Uh, no one else was injured. At least two cars have been hit by gunfire in recent months in Malibu Canyon near where he was killed. One involved a woman who posted video of a bullet hole in her vehicle along with a photo of a shotgun slug that she said pierced the tailgate as she slept inside. Very, very strange. Regardless of how this case ends, this is a strange thing. And I almost think that just based on the fact that this guy was asleep in his tent, it seems, and there were other people in other campsites near them, that it seems like this may have been a random, yeah, maybe an accident, I guess. Uh, we told you the story a couple of times about Blake Liable, the graphic novel author who was convicted of uh, murder, mutilation, and torture of his girlfriend in West Hollywood. If you remember the gruesome details about he had actually drained her body of blood. Finally, he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Yesterday, finally, the judge cited his profound brutality when he handed down that life term. Magic Johnson is in the news because... He's Magic Johnson. (laughs) NBA free agency opens in five days. A lot has been talked about. Who will the Lakers get? Will they land any big fish? Is LeBron coming to down? Paul George, what's the deal? Will they they put together this superhero team that actually stands a chance against Golden State and the dynasty that they've built up there? Uh, Magic Johnson saying today that there's no pressure on him because I'm Magic Johnson. (laughs) You know how many finals I've been in, he said? You think I'm worried about this? I played against Larry Bird in the finals. I played in nine finals. And what I love is that he he answered his own questions. You <laughs> yeah. know how many finals I've been right, in? Right, 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 right. Nine. Well, you know, his he was supposed to deliver. He was supposed to come to the Lakers and deliver the big names. Yeah. And so far, mm. not much. Been a big yawn. I don't think they're going to get anybody. You don't? I don't. I, I don't think there's. I don't think LeBron James is going to come here. I, don't I do. Why Leonard is going to come? I don't think Paul George is going to come. I mean, I just. I think all three are going to come, and make it a super team. Yep. But is it a super team that's going to get along and actually play well, or is it a super team that's just going to? Uh, we'll have fall to, apart like Miami did. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Walking Dead is getting a new game, an augmented reality mobile game. AMC and Next Games, the uh, developers behind the Walking Dead No Man's Land. Are, walk, are launching an app called The Walking Dead Our World that is going to look a lot like Pokemon Go. You'll be able to move your avatar by walking around neighborhoods, and instead of catching creatures by throwing your Pokeballs at them, you'll be able to roam the landscape, fight walkers, collect stashes, rescue survivors, embark on missions, and team up with other players. Because walking around with Pokemon Go on your phone didn't make you look enough like a zombie Chasing zombies will make you look like a zombie. How amazingly hectic would it have been, though, if the game was you have to run away from zombies? Where people just walking down the street get a little just, buzz on their phone. You just see them sprinting. And it says, turn your phone around, there's a zombie behind yes. you. And you turn and you look and you go, ah! That would have been take off running. Yeah, people just sprinting through parks and jumping over cars. 
Jumping over a car. Is it like a... Can a zombie get over a car as quickly? They walking can't. dead Dukes of Hazard Basically, crossover? yeah, they're hood sliding. All right. In other unicorn world news, the nation of Asgardia was founded 20 months ago, and it already has about 200,000 citizens. Sounds nice. Where is that? That's a good question. The moon. Oh. Wait, isn't that from Thor? Yes. Asgard? Yes, it's named after Asgard, the world in the sky in Norse mythology. How did you not know that, Gary? No, I knew that. I'm just playing into the game here because she's oh. going to tell us that you have to live in Asgardia, you actually have to live in outer space. What's funny is that this woman who is the head of Asgardia came out and was really upset with President Trump's Space Force, <laughs> saying that... By announcing Space Force, he was kind of stepping on her toes as head of state of Asgardia. It was really, it was silly. People, does she think that she's really, does she think she's doing a real thing? I don't know. Because I, I think people signing up to be Asgardia citizens is kind of cute and uh, ha ha ha, I'm a citizen, a citizen of Asgardia. But does she think that she's going to colonize the moon as, uh, realistically? <laughs> That's the thing is. If she does, is it a sad thing at that point, or is it just funnier? Yeah, that's a see something, say something. Hey, hey, for those of you who like sending D pics around, I got somebody you could send them to. Yes, we do have a name for her. She wants people to send. She wants men to send pictures of their private parts for a size and self esteem study on behalf of Missouri State University. It's called the Penis Measure Report. Okay, so we'll read. To oh, you. interesting. You're going to have to do that and with it that way. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think she's got some issues. No. She's got some issues. We'll talk about that when we come back. to the Gary and Shannon. into uh, Swamp Watch at the bottom of the hour. A lot of stuff going on in D.C. today. More on the uh, controversial travel ban that was upheld by the Supreme Court in a 5-4 to four decision. Also, the uh, the Harley-Davidson issue. The president has uh, fired back at Harley-Davidson. And uh, uh, we, I guess, kind of scratched some things on the, off the list about what really happened to Melania Trump when she went into surgery on her kidneys president says i would have told you if it was a facelift so well we've got a story coming up in the next hour about a man born without a penis it is a success story so a success from scratch i guess you could say Mm -hmm. um because he was born without one and now he has one how are you born i mean other than being born without all sorts of things i guess i just i'd never heard the way that his was omitted from birth well we'll dig into it okay but right now, we've got the story of Alicia Walker. She is a sociology professor at Missouri State University. And she is asking men to send her pictures of their privates in a quest to find out if size really does matter to men. Like mentally? Yeah. Like mentally self, or how that self esteem right? and how that can play out in life. Hmm. 
She is asking men to voluntarily send pictures of their anatomy along with measurements in both states, I guess you could say. You mean like Missouri and Kansas? If that's what you call it, sure. Or you mean like California and Florida? Or if that's what you call it, fine. I mean, because California is like this and Florida is like this. Oh, okay. That's good. (laughs) Do that again? That's good. California is like this. Florida is like this. I look at the map. I'm just saying. Uh-huh. So uh, before you begin the penis measure report, um, you need to measure that in California and Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you measure your, your, what would you call it? Penis? No, your. Circumference? Yes. Circumference. And then you take a picture of that with the measuring device. Well, they don't want you cheating, apparently. And you have to record both numbers. And then it says, Deuce, it says uh, travel to California. Go west, young man. And then remeasure <laughs> yourself. Uh, and they, don't, they say, you know, don't stop in Wyoming. We want you full California. We want full west coast here. Is what she says. Then take a picture once again, record the numbers, um, put uh, very specific information about how you're measuring so that you don't fudge the numbers. Nick, did you go on to this website? Can I read one instruction just in terms of using the ruler? This is an instruction, again, from a sociology professor, professor, Working for Missouri State University, and I do quote, really jam it in there as far as you can. Wait, jam what in what? It's about how I don't I can't get too specific, but you you jam the base of the ruler, it says. Oh, because the the measurements from the pubic. Like, I don't need you to explain any of this, please. We're not measuring how fat people are. We're measuring length, other things. We're making it more scientific. You guys are being children about it. Seriously? Science. (laughs) Now, it's... Once you have measurements in hand... (laughs) That's funny. You have to fill out a survey. Survey that pushes... Oh, uh, I'm clicking through it right now. ...to the 10 to 15 Uh, minutes at most. And it says, what is your sex assigned at birth? I'm just going to play along here. Female. Oh, wait. Wait, 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 wait. You're the one doing the... I'm a male. What's your gender identity? Male. Those are two separate questions. Tell us your sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of going on. What's your highest level of completed education? Is there a gender-bred man on there anywhere? Uh, I'm sorry, a gender-bred person? It's asked about your nationality, uh, your married, divorce, any of that. Oh, and then it says upload picture of circumference of flaccid penis. Flaccid target. Is there really a button says that. that says? Yep, it says that. All right. And your drop files here, click to upload. So they just ask about your education level and what your nationality is before they start Do, acting for asking for the penis pictures. Right. That's all. They don't get into stuff. interpersonal relationships or anything. You do have the option of doing the doing that interview with Professor. Alicia Walker over the phone or her male assistant. 
And I don't know if you get to choose or if they just will call you randomly. So this survey, look at this. Oh, it's like boy. superimposed on a mountain range. Uh, I don't know what that's supposed to do, but look at, see? Oh, why? I don't know. It's kind of nice. It's like a nature stock photo, I guess, of some sort of mountains with uh, snow on them. Now, you may say to yourself, why in the world would Missouri State go Bears or the Missouri State Legislature pay for this since this is a public university? Uh, Professor Walker said that the study is receiving no funding or tax dollars. She said, I understand that I research topics with which many are uncomfortable, that often the topics I research cause some folks a bit of upset. But I did not anticipate that a study on men's bodies and their feelings would be one of them. The university is backing the professor and her ability to solicit penis size, experience, self-esteem, sexual competence, tendency, etc., anxiety. Do we really need to study this? Um, well, no. Um, in terms of the study examining the importance of self-esteem and feelings about bodies and experiences in a society that worships size and tells men that they're less if than if they don't measure up. The last time I had that conversation with somebody, I was 11 years old. Exactly. You know, eyes on your own paper. Or in this case, <laughs> you know, just, just worry about yourself. You're fine. And there's all sorts of shapes and sizes of people. How big? Big enough, I guess. Right. I mean... I don't know. She says she wants to clarify. She's not asking men to email her lewd photos, although her research assistant has posted the study on several X-rated Reddit threads. Yeah, I was just thinking about the the kind of mail that this woman's going to be getting for her entire career. All kinds of mails. Yeah. That's what she's going to be getting. Coming up next, we will go live to Capitol Hill, talk about reaction on Capitol Hill with regard to the Supreme Court ruling on the travel ban, upholding the travel ban. We'll do that when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. Gary and Shannon, uh, news coming out of Washington today. Well, actually coming out of 17 states today, including Washington, New York, and California, that are suing to force the Trump administration to reunite families who've been separated at the border. We will get into that coming up. But lawmakers now on Capitol Hill have been reacting to the decision coming from the Supreme Court this morning. This uh, five to four decision uh, is the uh, the decision on the third iteration of the controversial travel ban. And they said that the it is constitutional. Two previous attempts by the administration to bar immigration to the U.S. from certain foreign countries. The president tweeted this morning uh, in all caps, Supreme Court upholds Trump travel ban. And then the word Wow. And I think that that was probably echoed across Capitol Hill. A split decision five to four there. Uh, Chief Justice John Roberts writing the majority of opinion, saying that the presidents have substantial power to regulate immigration. And he rejected the challenger's claim of anti-Muslim bias. Megan Hughes is gauging the reaction there on Capitol Hill, joins us now. Megan, what, what are people talking about? 
Well, it depends on who you're talking to. If you're talking to Republicans or if you're talking to Democrats, I can tell you what we're hearing from California's senators, uh, Senator Kamala Harris, calling this decision an affront to our values, calling the policy discriminatory. We also heard on Twitter from uh, Senator Feinstein saying that this decision is deeply disturbing, disturbing and pointing out that, that, as we've heard from many Democrats, the president made very clear during the campaign uh, his bias and bigotry towards Muslims. What can Congress do about this if they're upset about it? Um, so far, there is not talk about any kind of legislation or anything that would address this. Um, and to be clear, what this decision does, it, it kicks it back to the Ninth Circuit Court uh, to to reexamine this. Now it gives very little room for courts to to really decide any other way than to uphold uh, the travel ban and the current policy. What are we going to do now with um, uh, with the travel ban? I mean, it is in place. The Supreme Court says that it's going to stay or or like you said, is this still going to be caught up while the Ninth Circuit re reexamines this? Well, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see more legal challenges. Um, one of the one of the dissents, we had two different dissents. Um, we, Sotomayor and Justice Ginsburg had a, a stinging dissent that they issued together, Sotomayor reading it from the bench, uh, where she talked about anti-Muslim animus. Uh, she blamed other justices for ignoring the facts. There were comparisons to a, another Supreme Court decision uh, that effectively endorsed the detention of Japanese Americans during World War II. Um, and then there was another dissent from Justice Breyer and Justice Kagan, where they wanted to look more closely at some of the exemptions that are being issued um, and how this travel ban is being implemented. And I think as we see the travel ban being implemented, uh, you may see additional challenges on, on some of those exemptions and, and those types of details. Megan, can you refresh our recollection about what the policy entails, who it applies to, which countries are hit, um, Muslim countries, and I believe a couple non-Muslim countries as well. Is that right? Is that that's right. So it's a range of different travel restrictions uh, targeting five majority Muslim countries. So that's Iran, Libya, Somalia, Syria, and Yemen, and then also North Korea and Venezuela. So that adds uh, ammunition to the Trump administration argument that this wasn't just about targeting Muslim countries. North Korea and Venezuela were part of this as well. And then Chad, which is another majority Muslim nation, was on that list and then was taken off of that list in April by the Trump administration administration because they felt that the government in Chad had had upped their vetting. So that also added to their argument that this wasn't all about uh, targeting Muslims, that this was about national security. And then they also included um, some of these exemptions and, and these additional sort of caveats in the policy. Uh, important to point out, this is the third version of the administration's policy on this. So the first two were widely panned, uh, both politically and in the courts. Um, and, and this time, according to the Supreme Court and according to Chief Justice Roberts, they got it right. I think one of the biggest issues that I was watching was not the language of the ban itself, because it didn't necessarily contain anything that would have been, uh, you know, positive or negative towards any specific religion. But it was the president's comments outside of that when he was a candidate early on in his presidency that those those were what was the main issue is what the president said about the law as opposed to what the law said in its, you know, in the actual documentation. How did they get around that? What was the decision on that? 
Well, I I think you saw the Chief Justice being very careful not to weigh in on the president's rhetoric. Uh, He says at one point, we express no view on the soundness of the policy, but the argument is that this is not really for the Supreme Court to decide. The president has wide powers when it comes to immigration and when it comes to national security. And what's even more interesting, if you really want to get in the weeds and read the decision itself, there was a Concurrence. So Justice uh, Justice Kennedy seems to be going indirectly after the president, while also agreeing with the majority that there's nothing that the court could do about this. Um, he talks about the freedom of religion and the First Amendment, uh, and says it's an urgent necessity that officials adhere to these constitutional guarantees and mandates in all their actions, even in the sphere of foreign affairs. So it seems. This swing justice seems like he's cautioning the president, by all, but also saying this is something that cannot be resolved by the court. Interesting. Megan, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Megan Hughes there reporting from Capitol Hill. Uh, the Council on American Islamic Relations locally is going to hold a rally regarding the ruling today on this travel uh, ban. It's called the No Muslim Ban Ever Rally, and it's going to be in Anaheim this afternoon. Brookhurst and Brookmore, if you're curious. Speaking of uh, speaking of protests, there was actually one today. We'll talk about that. Attorney General Jeff Sessions and uh, some more stuff about what's going on in D.C. when we continue Swamp Watch in just a moment. Gary and Shannon will continue. This is what you get paid to do? This is an amazing thing. <laughs> That's Nick. Uh, As he's playing one bread, one body on the recorder. Right. Except he keeps missing that one note. Well, he's working I'm on it. Kidding. It's a work in progress. I mean, he's doing this acapella. Acapella. Well, you know what I mean. Uh, not acapella. Uh, without music. He's uh, By ear. Music. He's playing it by ear. Got it. Not acapella. (laughs) (laughs) Gary and Shannon. Uh, We're in the middle of Swamp Watch. One of the things that happens associated with D.C. is the fact that the uh, Roy Ball Federal Building downtown L.A. was the scene of a protest this morning. Uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions uh, gave a speech at a criminal justice luncheon at the Millennium Biltmore. I think that's where he still is right now. But he was going to start his visit with a stop at the federal courthouse. Protesters were out there to welcome him. Organizers of the Free All Families Rally demonstrated out there on Spring Street to um, to protest the separation of families there along the border. They said that they were going to walk to the Biltmore, demonstrate during the luncheon as well. So, uh, But it doesn't appear that that's been much of an issue. Earlier today, there was about 20 people or so that actually sat across Spring Street in an attempt to uh, block traffic. They did just that until the police came and arrested every single one of them. Also on that front, 17 states, including Washington, New York, California, suing to force the Trump administration to reignite families who've been separated at the border. The states are all led by Democratic attorneys general, and they filed a lawsuit in U.S. District Court in Seattle today. This is the first legal challenge by states over the policy, or I guess the practice. I kind of welcome this. I kind of welcome the idea of uh, getting the courts involved to figure out and hash out what sort of procedures need to be uh, implemented in response to the Perez settlement. Perez? Flores. Flores settlement. Uh, uh, and then w- which um, – w- what what position the government is currently in 
Because if they do not have facilities to hold families together, is it just a matter of it's it's then incumbent upon the government to come up with these facilities, or is there some other a- answer to Immigration it? authorities have separated about 2,300 children from their parents uh, recently. President last week issuing that executive order uh, designed to end the separation, but the states say the order is riddled with caveats and fails to reunite parents and children who have already been separated. Um, the lawsuit says that these people have been denied due process and their right to seek asylum. In, a, in other news, Senator Rand Paul has finally filed a lawsuit against the neighbor who tackled him over Ren- the piles of grass. Renee Boucher. Ooh. It's like Bobby Boucher, but Renee. Uh, it turns out that this neighbor was complaining about the, I guess, the yard debris that would be stacked near a shared property line. I I never grew up in an area that didn't have a backyard fence. And I guess that's a thing in that part of Kentucky where and I guess in other parts, not just Kentucky, but I mean, other parts of the United States where yards just kind of flow into each other. And there's no there's no delineation where your backyard starts and mine ends. Rand Paul is suing Rene Boucher for physical pain and mental suffering. That's because Boucher tackled him from behind during that argument over the, the backyard situation. Um he was charged, by the way, in, the, in one count of fourth degree assault. In the legal documents, Rand Paul calls Boucher's actions cruel, malicious, willful, wanton, with total ris- ris- disregard for his rights, life, and liberties. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes on to say that the senator has been deprived of his enjoyment of life. Well, he did suffer five broken ribs. Yeah, that sucked for a few weeks. You ever had broken or cracked ribs? No. That sucks. Yeah. You it doesn't it take do, longer than a few weeks? You can't do anything. You can't breathe without I mean, feeling I don't think pain. you can do any activity for at least a couple months. Okay. I don't know about an activity, but enjoyment of life That's- for a while. For a while. But he makes it sound like he's going to be permanently disfigured for the rest of his life. I just want to to ground him a little bit. So the president's going to London. Oh. And when he does, they're talking about having a uh, tube strike. Oh, those of you following along. He's set to arrive in London July 13th, making his official visit to the city since taking office. (laughs) Was that. Is that God Save the Queen? Uh, it turns out that the, tr- the tube strike is scheduled for July 11th through 14th. Or 11th and 14th is the way they wrote it here. So it's a, it's expected, of course, to inter- impact the Piccadilly line, which runs through central London to Heathrow. Now, the one thing is it doesn't matter because the president is not going to be on the tube it does matter because that means that traffic throughout London is going to be an absolute mess. It also shut down doesn't, the city. It also doesn't matter because the president can helicopter anywhere he wants to go. Donald Trump is tweeting about Harley Davidson. Remember, we told you yesterday because of the tariffs, um, aluminum and steel and retaliation from the European Union, there. I believe the uh, the export rate was going from like 6% to 31% or something like that. It was going to cost about $2,200 more to make each motorcycle. So Harley is moving some production abroad. Well, we wondered yesterday how that's going to affect the Harley brand. 
as we move forward. This is something that's built on being made in America. Well, the president tweeted, a Harley Davidson should never be built in another country. Never. Their employees and customers are already very angry at them. If they move, watch. It will be the beginning of an end. They surrendered. They quit. The aura will be gone and they will be taxed like never before. I don't know if this is true because my understanding is that Harley for a long time has had parts made in China and they do have other places where they have set up assembly uh, or at least production centers, but not necessarily putting a bike together from beginning to end. And from my understanding, any bike bought in the U.S. is fully made in the U.S., and all the ones made overseas are only sold overseas. That would make more sense. That's that's what I understand. That's what and, I saw Rebecca if, Jarvis say on ABC News last if night. If you're an who, uh, if you're an international company like Harley Davidson Davidson is, then that would make sense in terms of economically building those bikes elsewhere, so that you don't have to pay those giant tariffs that that you would if you didn't. So, uh, oh, and the president, I wanted to mention this. I watched part of that rally last night that he was uh, that he gave in South Carolina, and he said at some point he was making fun of the rumors of where the first lady has been. Remember, she was gone for a month, at least gone from the spotlight for a month while she recovered from what they called was a routine medical procedure, a benign kidney condition. He said she had an operation a few weeks ago. She's fine. But they had all kinds of projections that she got a facelift. No, I would let you know. They couldn't hide that one for long. They said she left me and moved to New York. The only thing they wouldn't say is what happened, and she's private. She doesn't want to talk about these things, which is why I'm bringing it up in a rally in front of 10,000 of my closest friends. Um, He said there's nothing to it, nothing to it at all. So Lauren wrote to us, Nick on the recorder. Plus one bread, one body. That's why I love you guys. <laughs> oh. you, if you've never heard Nick play My Heart Will Go On, the Celine Dion hit from the Titanic movie, mm. he can really he can bring that one home. Is he going to get chapped lips from playing that recorder the whole time? Shannon, we have told you this tragic story of Anthony Avalos, the 10-year-old boy that seems to have died from a fall in Lancaster last week. He had cigarette burns all over his body, and it looks like there had been numerous calls to the Department of Children and Family Services, uh, as many as 16 complaints in the past five years. We are unfortunately learning some new stuff about this case. Andrew Molenbeek has been following it. Andrew, what's going on? Right now we're waiting for a custody hearing in Lancaster, and this is the mother, Heather Barron, and her boyfriend, Kareem Leva, who were both at the house and the setter of these allegations of abuse that went on for years. They have seven other kids together, uh, not necessarily both as a couple, but collectively they have seven kids, and those kids were removed after Anthony died. 
And at the moment, uh, just after 1.30, we're back in session here and we're waiting to see whether they will be allowed to get the kids back. Now, we have learned a little bit more, particularly about Kareem Leva. Now, this is coming from family members. And a couple of things that they have said is that they say he is a documented gang member who is also in this country illegally. Now, according to two aunts, these would be aunts of uh, the 10-year-old Anthony Avalos, they say that Kareem uh, came to the U.S. from El Salvador when he was quite young, and at times he has had work visas, but they say those are expired. Uh, so they say he's a documented gang member and uh, does not currently have permission to be in the country. And this is Maria Barron as she talks about the activity of Leva being active with MS-13. Heather said that he would go to meetings in L.A. I knew that because she would be really upset that he would leave because he had to go to meetings. So I'm pretty sure he was active. So that's what we learned a little bit more about the boyfriend in this case. And again, I want to point out that there have not been any arrests or any allegations from, say, prosecutors at this point. This is all waiting on the autopsy of young Anthony Avalos. But even in the parking lot here, uh, there, there is a feeling of a criminal court case, even though this is a custody hearing. There are at least three vehicles that have painted on the windows justice for Anthony. So other family members are here, and they believe this is just the beginning of what could turn into a more significant abuse case. Anything to this uh, report that maybe Anthony came out and said that he likes boys? I don't know if come out would be the phrase that I would use. Uh, the, the family members that I spoke to said he did recently have some comment that he likes boys, but it, it wasn't maybe a, a big event uh, like someone maybe a little bit older might, might have to say they, they come out. But what I was asking some family members about is, do you believe this line that he apparently said had anything to do with what happened last week and ultimately this head injury and the, the cause of which we don't know. Uh, what the family told me is that the abuse has been going on for years and years and so they didn't believe that there was some sort of turning point. Uh, of course we all think about the case of Gabriel Fernandez when that was central to that case in which uh, he was apparently abused because it was thought that he was gay. I don't know that we have that so far in this case because, again, from the family members, they say the abuse was going on far earlier uh, than this, this line that he had. But it will be something to, to try to find out more about going forward. I find it extremely convenient for the L.A. County Department of Children and Family Services uh, where this story came from. It came from a deputy director of the department that he's recently said that he likes boys. It's almost like... Shifting the attention, like a, a tactic used to shift the attention onto, oh, the parents were homophobes. And let's shift the attention away from the Department of Children and Family Services that seem to have dropped the ball yet again. Yet again, well, uh, Gabriel Fernandez, Yonatan Aguilar, and, and now Anthony Avalos. Because 16 calls over the past five years seems like enough to remove kids from a home. But what the hell do I know? Apparently, it had to get much worse uh, for Anthony. Apparently, uh, there had to be much worse than cigarette b uh, burns covering his body and uh, the fact that they had to urinate and defecate on the floor and the, oh, the whole locked in small spaces uh, argument, too. Apparently, we've got to uh, have more abusive parents for the, the county to remove children. 
And just talking to, with the family members, something we've done for about every day for the last week, uh, that has never come up uh, as far as being assumed or some sort of instigator here. It, it, what the family has said is he's the only son that this mother had with Victor, the, the, the bio dad here who's in Mexico. And the family has always said that she kind of held it against Anthony for being Victor's son. Um, but we never heard anything beyond that, that it was it was thought that he was gay and maybe that was a reason. Of course, it's within the realm of possibility. We've had other cases, but th the family has just not made that a big issue until we get this news story today that uh, he said at, at, at some point recently that he likes boys. And now it's getting attention, but that's not something the family has ever brought up to me. I haven't heard a lot of anger coming from the County Board of Supervisors about this complete um failure of a department recently uh, they they have all declined to be interviewed by the la times and uh they've just uh, put out little baby statements about this i'm not hearing any anger from them well and, and i think there's a little bit of caution here because you don't want to jump too far ahead it, it is it is possible that the 10 year old for whatever happened in the past that he did actually fall and just hurt his hit his head that is possible i think that you're going to see far more uh, reactions when when the autopsy comes out if it is linked to abuse so i think that uh, all, all the officials are just trying to be cautious at the moment that they don't uh, rush to some judgment before we figure out a cause of death but at least with with the family members there is no such caution because they say they've seen it for years they feared something like this could happen and now anthony is dead um and the other kids where are they be, are they being cared for in the foster system or are they with other relatives it, it hasn't been clear to me if they're all together and whether they're all with a certain family or not. What I just keep hearing from the family members is that the kids are in a safe place. And at the moment, that's where they hope that the kids remain. Because, again, this hearing, which we were here at 8 o'clock this morning, thinking it might start at that point. It still has not uh, begun. We're going to come back at 1.30. Uh, but we're going to find out if uh, the mother and her boyfriend are going to be allowed to have the kids back Certainly, the, many of the people here are hoping they do not get that opportunity. Andrew, thank you. Sure thing. Andrew Mullenbeck, they're the latest on this case uh, that's going to be in the news for several weeks. Anthony Avalos, and we'll see if anything changes. We thought it would change after the death of Gabriel Fernandez in nearby Palmdale. Uh, they do have now what's called the Office of Child Protection, established to uh, transform the child welfare system after Gabriel died. But it doesn't look like much has changed, unfortunately. Now, uh, in terms of the cause of death of this case, like Andrew said, we still don't have the coroner's report. But L.A. County Department of Children and Family Services filed papers with the state under disclosure laws. They filed papers with the state that said that Anthony's death likely resulted from child abuse, but no official cause of death as of yet. All right, uh, coming back. Oh, at the bottom of this hour, I want to remind you that we have Neil Saavedra coming in, talking about a bunch of things, uh, cooking-wise, et cetera. But we're going to kind of clear our heads for a little bit. A guy born without a very important piece of him now has a very important piece of him. And in just a few short weeks, he'll be able to use that very important piece of him. That was really well said. It's poetic, I think. You're a professional. Gary and Shannon. Mm. KFI AM 640. 
Gary and Shannon, I want to issue a warning. Okay. If you are particularly sensitive to words like phalloplasty or bladder extrophy or stoma or urostomy, just so you know, they're all going to be in this story. This is the story of a British man named Andrew Wardle. Andrew has one testicle. And that's it. He also... Right. That's it. That's hard on the junk. He was born there with was bladder no. extrophy, a rare birth defect that means the organ formed on the outside of his body. The bladder formed on the outside of his body. He's got one testicle and no and nothing penis. else. One in 20 million condition meant that he was born without a penis. Uh, at he, first, not a gigantic deal, I would suppose, for the first couple of years of your life. It's not really necessary. He had countless operations to build a tube from his bladder so he could pass water normally. But for forever, he suffered bladder, kidney problems. And this rare birth defect actually he says, caused him to attempt suicide several years ago. And he knew he was an outsider being born with bladder extrophy. Um, he was abandoned by his birth mother, who had him adopted, rejected by, by his birth parents for not being normal. At school, he didn't fit in because, well, among other things, visually, I would suppose if there's an opportunity for you to be naked around classmates, that's going to be an issue. But also... He was consumed by hospital appointments. I mean, he had so many surgeries and doctor's office visits that he couldn't have a normal life and go play with other kids. It got so bad that he attempted suicide about six years ago, but then was referred to Dan Wood. Dan is a consultant urologist at a hospital in London. And he wanted to meet Andrew. Dan Wood did. He says, Andrew says, until then, any everybody had said, I can't do anything. But Dan Wood said, I can build you a new bladder and my friend can build you a penis. Okay. That's good friend to have, I suppose. Yeah. But the first That's oper- resourceful. You've got a friend that's a pilot. I bet you don't have a friend that could build a penis. Not out of anything other than Play-Doh. Andrew had his first operation to remove a urostomy bag in February 2014. And that began this almost five-year journey now towards normalcy. Uh, But he said the removing the urostomy bag and getting a catheter was probably the most important thing. More important than getting a functioning organ. Because he has freedom. He says, I'm never busting for the toilet anymore. I find it better than a normal bladder. Back to Dan Wood's friend who can build penises. His name is David Ralph. He is a specialist in genital reconstruction. Andrew and his surgeon decided the size of his new appendage. Time out. What do you think that, well, I know that you know. What do you think they looked at in terms of determining the size of his, I mean, because everyone's got those old wives' tail shoe size. Mm-hmm tip of your finger to the whatever, right? You know, they looked at his forearm. Hmm. 
Hmm. I've never looked at my forearm that way. Well, that's about how big yours would be. Oh. Uh, (laughs) So Andrew says, I had a healthy forearm, so I got a nice size organ. They build it from the skin, Mm. the muscles, and the nerves in his left arm, and then take a vein out of his right leg. And they move all the muscles from his arm and then give him a bum lift. The skin on his arm comes from the bum. I'm sorry. Can you go back? Um, The skin for the penis comes from the forearm? Yes. And then to replace that skin, they take it from your They take it from your butt. But then your butt's fine without the skin? Ah, it regrows. Does it? Like a lizard? I don't think that's exactly the way it works, but I'm not a doctor. The interesting thing is... He now gets to uh, he gets to have a, a pump. I don't want to talk After about this anymore. After the successful phalloplasty operation, he gets a pump. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Which is fitted to create, is to travel from Florida to California. Mm-hmm. Good the, for him. I'm the, glad. The different thing is they've got to put it through all of its testing. Remember how they put the space shuttle on the back of a 747 and then landed it out into the desert a couple of times before they blasted it into space? Yes. They're going to do that with his phalloplasty. But they're going to do it by pumping it up for 10 days straight. So he's going to have a 10-day... 10 days. uh, California. 10 days. 10 days in California. No side trip to Florida during those 10 days. 10 days. And then they say after just normal operation for a few weeks and all the swelling goes down, pardon the pun, et cetera, he can finally use it. He has a girlfriend. He does. So he's on like house arrest for 10 days. Oh, I don't, or he I could take it out. I think he's in the hospital. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's even worse. Fedra Fabian. That, this is his girlfriend. Uh, and he's planning to lose his virginity on uh, vacation with Fedra. Good luck to him. That's great. I I love that they can uh, build things like that. Did you see the graph of the pump and the hydraulics? Can somebody please get me the drop from Field of Dreams? How does that conversation? No. Work? no. <laughs> Tasty Tuesday when we come back. I'm going home. Hey, Nick. Yes, yeah, Shannon. Why do pigs go to New York City? I don't know. Why do pigs go to New York City? To see the Big Apple. Let me teach you how to eat. So every pig eats an apple? Is that the thing? Well, yeah. (laughs) I decided to just end that conversation. I didn't want it to last longer than it had to. Oh, that's fine. That's just fine. That's fine. It is uh, Tuesday, and at 1.30, we welcome in Neil Saavedra, host of The Fork Report here on KFI, 2 to 5 on Sundays. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. So, what did I say, Sundays? I don't even know. Blake thinks I said Sundays. You no. would never work on a Sunday. Uh, no, outside it's of the producing. Lord's Day. Yeah, it's time that's... for me to rest. Right. So I would say, in that case, uh, you do Saturdays from 2 to 5. Yeah. Okay. How was the festival? Magical. Did yeah. you go? Yeah, I went on so Sunday. So you guys went uh, on Sunday. Yeah, it was beautiful. And it, I got to tell you, we're talking about the Arroyo Seco weekend. Um, 
I told Nick Adler, who puts it on with Golden Voice and does the food and everything, I told him it was a, a love letter to Southern California. It just is this great music, great food. There is tons of great people. It's a cool atmosphere. It's laid back. Yeah, it, it was just, very chill and yeah. a lot of grass. Yeah. You know, it plenty was, of place to hang out with that many people. It was massive. There were babies. Yeah. There was the young, the old. Coming together as one in harmony. Nope, you're not going to get me on that one. Burgers. Yes. People screw up burgers. Left and right. I'm going to uh, have your burgers on 4th of July, right? Didn't you say you were going to barbecue burgers? That sounded, yes, that sounded like a threat. <laughs> I know. I mean, that sounded like a threat. I'm going to eat your burgers, son. I'm going to drink your milkshake. Like, <clears throat> cell block D, it means something very yeah. different than what you were drink it up. Uh, hand I, me a wipe. I let me that you grill. You're going to grill burgers. Yeah, but let me temper your your thirst for meat, I guess, uh, because because it's not as if it's grass fed, you know, hand formed. No, it's just uh, ground round from the. Do they start I out frozen? Say, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But again, I mean, if you, you know, have a couple of glasses of Chardonnay and you'll think it's gourmet burger. But uh, but dad's usually in charge of the burgers. Oh, okay. So great. No, yeah, great. Good. I just want you to make sure it's not like I'm not I'm not impressing you with like Kobe no, no, no. beef. I think that the more basic a burger is, the mm. better it is. Very you know, basic. maybe just a little ketchup on there. I mean, I don't even need lettuce, maybe just an onion. Are you gonna have an onion? Should a I what? Onion. Onion? Onion. <laughs> like Are a you adding a G onion. into that word? No. She's Probably. gonna eat it on a on a Tuesday in February. Onion. We will have onions. <laughs> just a, I've never, don't think I've ever heard you say that word Onion. before. Yeah, you said it a little different. No, it sounded thing. right then. Yeah. All right. Hey, whatever. W- uh, what's your favorite, what's your go-to fast food burger? Uh, in and out Oh, and you don't change anything on it? How do you get it? No, I don't change anything Do you get on grilled it. onions on it or no. raw onions? No, just the hamburger, please. One hamburger, please. I don't do that animal style or whatever, all the secret menu, all the fancy words. Mm, you sound like a lot of fun. <laughs> what if I was making my own burgers? Well, <laughs> and they're... not frozen. I'm going full, like getting a pack of, of uh, some some good ground beef. Yeah, you know, ground beef is where you start. I, people always come to me and say, hey, you know, how come my burgers don't taste like the ones that I get when I go out to a restaurant? And I said, well, what are you starting with? What's What's the ground beef you're starting with? And they're like, well, it's like 100% lean beef. Well, that's probably the number one thing. Get 90-20 or uh, 80-20, rather. (laughs) If you can can find 10%, you got to find someone who does fuzzy math. (laughs) You get 80-20, rather. Good Uh, meat, bad at math. Yeah, you want 20% fat in there, and that's really that's going to make a big difference. (laughs) Brown chuck. Ground sirloin. Um, um, uh, we've talked a little bit about this before, and you don't necessarily season it early. I mean, in terms of no. what you put on no. the grill, it, you're just meat. And even worse than that, I see some people that go um, what I call, uh, uh, well, I call nothing, I guess, yes. at this point. <laughs> but when you uh, mix it up with all kinds of junk in it, it just becomes meatloaf. Right. What so, about marinating the meat? You don't marinate a burger. No? Mm-mm. 
No, no need for it. It's got its own juices. Could you marinate it before you ground it up? I mean, if you were going all the way back to it. I wouldn't. No, because you're going to – I think you would cause – if you marinate ground beef, you're going to have to form it into a patty. You're going to have all that extra moisture. If you really Mm -hmm. want moisture in in a patty, put a tablespoon, a tab of butter, a pat of butter in there. In the center when you're making that patty. There were. Or baste it with it. Yeah. I went to a barbecue a year or so ago, and I forget the supermarket that they got these burgers from, but they were flavored burgers. And I had a jalapeno burger, and it was exceptional. And I want to say. Stater Brothers? Yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. They have a huge selection. Uh, And sometimes they have. Uh, the juicy Lucy ones that will have like cheese on the inside and things like that, but they make they make really good pre-made burgers. Yeah, yeah. Um, flat patties are important. Indeed, and when we're talking about burgers, I would say that flat, <laughs> flat are they always important? Are unusual to get on a homemade because at Wendy's those those patties are pretty flat. Yeah, there's a couple ways you can do this, and, and there's some things some people will make when you hand. Uh, pack the patty. You end up making it. Yeah, you you put it together, and it ends up being thinner on the edges and a little thicker in the middle. And then when it tightens up over the heat, it actually turns into like a football, and it's not good. No. You almost are owing me twenty dollars. I don't understand what that was. We about. have a bet. Uh, we'll explain later. Okay. Anywho. <laughs> um. Then, so a good thing to do is to put a divot in it with your thumb uh-huh. in the top, and that way, when it uh, starts to, you know, condense itself, it'll flatten out. The best way, when I'm especially double patties, if you're going to double patty it and, and do a double burger, one of the best things to do is get two flat surfaces. Uh, the back ends of plates will do it. Uh, your cutting board will do it, and I like to actually do four ounce uh, rounds. I do the balls. Unseasoned, I throw it onto the griddle, and after they start to sear, and then I start to sprinkle a little salt on them, a little pepper. After they start to sear off, then I smash them with a spatula and make smash burgers. And that way, I'm not patting them with my hands at all because a couple things. The heat of your hands can actually pull the, the fat out. So if you've ever done a bunch sure. of them, you get you, it all you, over yeah, your hands. You get a big layer of fat on your hands, and you're really removing all of that fat. Um, the reason why you want to season them right before you put them on is because salt extracts liquid, and it's going to make for a dry burger. A lot of people think that they're overcooking the burger. The chances are you've seasoned it too early. And you're a huge proponent of thermometers. Absolutely. I, you know, people like uh, touch the palm of your hand or your cheek or your nose or your che- hell with that thermometer. Uh, 120 is uh, damn near raw. Uh, 130 is going to be your uh, medium rare. Uh, 140 is medium rare plus or medium. And then 150 is uh, medium plus. You Most people end up cooking theirs to 160, 165, is, which is if you're buying over the counter or you don't know the butcher or you're not familiar with the way they grind their meat, that's probably best. Um, I like to get the best meat I can, and then I can uh, put it more around the 140 area. Awfully silent. Yeah, I lost you. Well, you guys are doing your grilling man thing, so I was just uh, being polite and Women observing. grill? I know. 
I'm just not one of them. There's excellent uh, female grill masters. You've got tons of female friends at grill. And that's not what I said. <laughs> kind of. No, that's not Actually, what I said. Actually, I was also reading the story from Michelle about you and Buzz Aldrin. It's a pretty funny story. About me and Buzz Aldrin? About you telling him your parents named you after Oh, him? when I met him. Mm-hmm. Yes. I met Buzz Aldrin. My name is Neil Edwin Saavedra. I was born in July of 69, so I'm named after um, both Neil Armstrong and Edwin Aldrin. And so I told him, I said, I'm named after you. And he said, oh, what's your name? And I go, Neil Edwin Saavedra. And he goes, huh, second again. (laughs) I mean, was the attitude. It was like, and he signed one of his books and said, uh, do you want me to put your middle name on this? And I said, oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Gary and Shannon will continue. Neil Saavedra, the Fork Reporter, has joined us. Uh, Monica Ricks got an update. What's up? AM 640, it is Tasty Tuesday. We are keeping our eye on some other news. Uh, Big news today out of the Supreme Court upholding President Trump's travel ban on six Muslim-majority nations, as well as Venezuela and North Korea. Also, news coming out of Washington, 17 states have sued the Trump administration to force it to reunite the thousands of children and parents that were separated at the border. And now a federal judge in Virginia is allowing the case against Paul Manafort to move forward. So, busy day. We have been joined by Neil Savager, the Fork Reporter. You hear the Fork Report Saturdays 2 to 5 here on KFI. We're talking a little bit about burgers and things uh, that you can do to make sure that your burgers are the best. Mm. The best. Uh, are you a, Which buns do you like? Easy. You need a firm bun that can really hold up to the juice of the hamburger, right? I I used to really loathe those um, the buns you would get like at school when they do hamburgers, mm-hmm. and they were the weakest buns. Like I'm very serious about bread holding up to meat. I think it goes back to my days at the deli. Got it. That's a good. I like it's that. important. I, I like the reasoning. Yeah, it's important to have ungans on there. Yeah. I will tell you this. That is that what we're doing now? We're making fun of the way that we say words? No. Okay. Not we're all making of fun just of the way you say words. Okay. All right. You know what, guys? We're not going to... We're not going to... If you would have shown up for rehearsal... We're, we're going to be nice. <laughs> Let's practice niceness. Okay. Uh, one thing that you can do, when depending, regardless of whatever the bun is, is to put a little butter on it and toast it. Sure. And that's going to help but hold up. But if you have a too. crap bun, that doesn't even What that, would the butter help. do on that other than just it a browns it? Yeah. A nice little browning. Okay. I'm not going to say it suits, so sit back. I know he's listening. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> sit back. What does he want you to say? I have an idea. Yeah. It's not going to happen, suits. We're just going to call it browning. Now, uh... So, but roll, I mean, are you a roll guy or a bun guy? You're willing to go with just buns or would you go for oh, yeah. a roll? It's, yeah, okay. I like, you know, you get a Parker House roll or you get something that uh, is uh, nice and doughy. I mean, I, I'll, I'll use a, a last burger I made, I used a brioche bun. A lot of places you can get great brioche buns. As a matter of fact, across the street now at Whole Foods, you, yeah. know, you can get a killer 
brioche bun for hot dogs. You can get them for uh, hamburgers. You can uh, even get them for sliders. I feel sliders. like brioche sometimes it's too much bread. You don't want the bread to overwhelm the meat. It's all about finding the perfect balance. Let, let me throw this one at you then. Would you do a pretzel bread no, bun? No, Because that's, that's pretty hearty. That would it, be it. And that's really popular right now, and I'm with you. I'd rather not have I, – I like a, a soft, doughy mm-hmm. bun. Yep. I got two. Yeah. And then you, you toast I mean, them. I'm telling you, you toast them, then you yep. put your spread on them, mm-hmm. and then your meat. And and to get the, the am, am, uh, amino acids to react with the bread, what is that called? What the, the amino acids don't react with the bread. You mean when you're browning the sugars? Right. Maillard. It's, a, it's the, right? just browning. I don't know. The Maillard reaction. I won't say it. Because somewhere, somewhere Brian Suits is playing a drinking game, yeah. and I'm not going to be a part of it. <laughs> I'm not going to be a part of it. So, so he's going to sit there with that thing hovering around his mouth, waiting to take a pop, and I'm not going he's to. He's so thirsty. Yeah. He's just yeah. salivating. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to do it. And he's, he's going to have to drink on his own. The, let's talk about this. One of the, the myths about grilling that we've, that we've talked about before, but I still need clarification on yes, this. Yes, sir. Searing and then cooking. Cooking no, and then no, searing. No, no, no. The reverse sear is uh, you hear a lot of people saying, uh, ah, you're searing the juices. One, you don't sear in juices. You, you'd have to seal, hermetically seal the entire steak by heating it up. It doesn't work. Uh, they've done studies, countless studies. The best way to cook a steak is over indirect heat. You bring it within probably 15 to 20 degrees of where you want it. So if you want it to be uh, medium rare, you're going to want it about, uh, which is probably about 30, 135 degrees or whatever. So you want 20, 15 to 20 degrees. Before that, you want to heat that up indirectly, um, not over high heat, and then put it on to the high heat to sear it off those last 10, 15, 20 degrees. Searing at the end. At the end. It's a, called a reverse sear. You do that and you'll have a perfect steak. The old way was to sear it off first and then let it come to temp, but it's it's just backwards. You raise the temperature slowly of the meat and then sear it off for that wonderful brown caramelization that was named after a Frenchman. Maillard. Don't know. I don't okay. think the D is is pronounced. Mayar. Mayar. No, it's it's what? It is uh, what Gary said. Nice try, sister. <laughs> Suits is going to be sober today, the one day out of the week. Sorry. Thanks for coming in. No, thank you. Bon appetit. All right, Gary and Shannon, we'll see you. Uh, John and Ken, coming up next. Have a great Tuesday, and on Wednesday, we'll see you. Stay dry, everybody. Be sure to be with us next time for further adventures of Gary and Shannon.